Good morning. Welcome to uh, worship this morning at First Church. So glad that all you're here. We also welcome all those that are, are listening on the radio this morning and in our Facebook crowd as well. Uh, there's no Bibles, adult Bible study today in the ministry center due to the meeting following the worship this morning. A uh, reminder, the fall picnic is next Sunday. Uh, need to know if you're coming or not by Tuesday so they can order the food. So uh, please put that in your plans. Uh, one other thing is uh, Agape is starting their annual warm coat drive. If you have any uh, good used coats that you would like to donate, uh, you can put them on the table over here. I'm sure that there's probably going to be a barrel show up one of these days. Uh, it's greatly appreciated. If you uh, don't have any coats, you want to make a monetary donation, they use that to buy coats uh, in sizes that are needed that have not been donated. So uh, it's all the the announcements of this morning, so if you would uh, rise, everyone that uh, can, we'll start with our call to worship. Uh, call to worship today comes from the book of Psalm, chapter 89, verses 1 through 8 and 14 through 18. I will sing of the Lord's great love forever with my mouth. I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David my servant. I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. The heavens praise your wonders, Lord, your faithfulness to in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies cannot be compared with the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings? In the council of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. He is more awesome than all who surround him. Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, Lord Almighty, and faithfulness Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, Lord. They rejoice in your name all day long. They celebrate your righteousness. For you are their glory and strength, and by fa your favor you exalt our horn. Indeed, our belongs to the Lord, our King, to the Holy One of Israel. If we continue to stand and sing our praise song, Reckless Love.
seated, we'll ask the children to come down for children's chat. Good morning. Hi, Miles. Hello. How are you? Good. Come on over. I want you to be able to see. My special mask from school. You can still hear me when I wear it. All right. Hello. What do I have? What is this? Play-Doh. I do. What's Play-Doh for? What's it for? Yeah. What else can you do with it? What do you think? Oh, I can squish it. Yes. I've been spending a lot of time in kindergarten lately. Do you know what we do with Play-Doh in kindergarten? What do you do with it in kindergarten? Yeah, did you ever um, mold it into your letters or your shapes or your numbers? Because I could just peel off a little piece and I could, and then I could make the letters of my name. Okay, I brought some Play-Doh today because. Pastor Joel is going to be talking a lot about molding. And when I use my Play-Doh, I can mold it into anything that I want, right? I can make it into letters. I can make it into shapes. I can make it into numbers. I can make it into anything I want. Well, guess what? You are a Play-Doh. You are a Play-Doh. God wants to mold you into the best you you can possibly be. That's interesting, isn't it? Have you ever thought of yourself as a Play-Doh before? Probably not. Well, <laughs> yeah, Miles has. Okay, well, well, yeah. Well, 
when Pastor Joel is talking about molding and God wanting to mold us into the best we, us we can be, you know, he wants, God wants to mold us into trusting him. He wants to mold us into believing his truth. He wants to mold us into being the best we can be. But you know what? While we're little, we don't get a whole lot of molding from from people other than our families, right? Your family is trying to mold you. They're teaching you the rules. They're teaching you how to be strong and be brave. And then you go to school and your teachers teach you how to read and to write. And, oh, that is so much writing. I know. You know. And so while we're little, we get a lot of molding from the grown-ups in our life. But when we're grown-ups, we end up needing a lot of help from molding from God. And we get that from his word. So when we do play with Play-Doh, which I did bring you some, when we do play with Play-Doh, I want you to think about not just Ooh, I can squish it. But you are a little bit like Play-Doh. We are molding you into the best you you can be so that God can use you when you are bigger. Let's pray. Put your hands together. Jesus, help us to be more like you. Keep us safe. Keep us healthy. And help us to learn everything we can to be more like you. Amen. Now, before you go, I did say I brought you some, didn't I? See that yellow bag? You may have one. You can have mine. <laughs> Thank you, Nikki, for that children's chat message. Appreciate it. A couple more things I want to share with you this morning as we uh, prepare our hearts to go to the Lord in prayer. I uh, just want to remind you that today we are serving communion at the end of the service. And as I reminded you of last week, we are going to be doing so at the altar today, something we have not been able to do uh, for quite a while. So I'll give a little bit more instructions at the end of the service. But just to remind you that if you're able and willing uh, at that time, we will invite you to come forward and we will be serving you uh, the communion elements up here at the altar Again, if you are unable to come forward or, or would rather stay in your seat than come and receive them at the altar, there will be a pair of elders uh, circulating the sanctuary. Um, just try to grab their attention in some way, wave at them, uh, shout at them, do something, and, and they will bring the communion elements to you in your seat. So don't feel obligated to come forward, but if you are able and willing to, um, we invite you to come forward and take communion at the altar this morning. Uh, just a reminder also, Dave mentioned the the fall picnic next week at the park. I want to encourage you all to be a part of that. Um, we're looking forward for a time of just good food, fellowship, enjoy some time in each other's company um, outdoors. Uh, we do ask if you are planning to attend that you would let us know. There's a sign-up sheet back at the info center. You can also let us know in the church office by sending an email or giving us a phone call. Uh, the reason we want to do that is so that we can have the food, enough food prepared for everybody that's planning on attending. If you, if it slips your mind and you forget to attend and next Sunday you realize, oh, I forgot to say something and you want to still come, please come. By no means is that a uh, prohibition for you being able to attend. Uh, we're just trying to use it for planning. So if you know you're planning on being there, please let us know. Um, but come next Sunday. If, if plans change and you're able to attend, you are by all means invited to still come and join us. I'm sure there'll be plenty of food to go around. 
Also, just one more reminder too, after the service today is the safety plan info meeting. We'll be taking, that'll be taking place in the ministry center, the big room over there. I invite everyone who's able to stick around to come and attend uh, and hear about uh, the safety plan that's been in front of consistory and spiritual council for some time. It's what I mentioned way back in January at our annual meeting, which seems like an eternity ago <laughs> at this point. Uh, but we are looking forward to talking about that, discussing it, and, and of course, getting feedback from you as, a, as our congregation. So that'll be uh, today after the service over in the ministry center. As we go to the Lord in prayer today, I want to remind you to continue to be in prayer for the names and families that are represented in uh, the prayers and concerns list in your bulletin. In addition, we ask you to always continue to pray for those who've been affected by this COVID-19 pandemic uh, and the millions and millions around the world who have been diagnosed. In particular today, we ask you to pray for President Trump and the First Lady uh, and all those in the White House and in Congress who've been infected, uh, just as we've been asking you to pray for all people over these months. Uh, our scripture reminds us to pray for kings and all those who are in authority. Um, and, and this is another way for us to do that, not just for wisdom and guidance as they lead, but also for, for health and safety and protection. We also ask you to keep in mind the families of those who've lost loved ones as a result of this pandemic. Um, we've reached a couple pretty grim milestones this past week. Over a million around the world um, have died as a result of COVID-19 and over 200,000 here in the United States. So please continue to pray for pandemic, pray for health and safety, pray for wisdom in our leadership, and of course comfort and peace for all those who've been directly affected by it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer together this morning. Father God, we thank you that we have the privilege and the really the, the call to come to you in prayer in our time of need. Lord, our world is hurting, uh, and for, for many reasons, Lord, but in particular throughout this pandemic, Lord, um, it's been difficult in, in a variety of ways, and it's been difficult especially for those who've been directly affected by COVID-19. And so today we pray for President Trump and the First Lady and all those who've been infected with COVID-19. Lord, we pray for health and safety and a speedy recovery. We pray for the millions around the world, Lord, who have been diagnosed. We pray, Lord, um, for, for complete and total healing and recovery. Lord, we thank you for, for the many, um, Lord, many blessings that you've given us. Lord, let us not forget those things in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of hardship, uh, but let us hold on to those as, as encouragement and as reminders of your goodness and your love for us. We pray especially for those families who've lost loved ones as a result of this pandemic. We pray for the over 1 million around the world and over 200,000 here in the United States that have lost their lives. We pray for your spirit to be a source of comfort and peace for those families at this time. Lord, we also pray for people in our own community, right here in our own church family, who are struggling. Lord, whether it be with illness or, or uh, need of provision, Lord, or some other thing that we are unaware of. Lord, you know what's going on in our hearts. And so whether it's names that are represented here in the bulletin that we can pray for specifically, or whether it's burdens that we carry ourselves into this room this morning, or for those that are listening on the radio and watching on Facebook, Lord, we lay these burdens at your feet. Jesus, you promise that your yoke is easy and your burden is light, and we will find rest for our weary souls when we trust in you. So, Lord, help us to do that today, that no matter what challenges we face, no matter what hardships come our way, that we know we can trust you. We know that you are good in all things and that, uh, Lord, in all things, you can work, work it all together for our good and for your glory. And so we pray, Lord, that would be the case this day 
and in all days. Lord, we ask that you would hear our prayer according to your will and that as we pray, as Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. As we continue on in our worship service this morning, just want to remind you as well and and thank you all for your giving during this time. As we've not been passing the plates as usual, you have continued to be faithful in your giving towards the ministry here at First Church and our other ministry projects. The offering today is to support the general fund. If you're here with us and are able to give, there will be offering plates at the door as you exit and you always have the option to give online as well. This time I encourage you, if you're able, to continue to worship with us this morning and stand as we sing our next song, How Great Is Our God.
scripture reading this morning is from Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 12. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make straight your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with the new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. And do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Thank you. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for your, your word this morning. Thank you that we can gather here as your people and sing your praises. And now, Lord, as one, turn to your word and, and hear what it has to say to us today. I pray that as we continue to talk about wisdom, that you would give us each wisdom in our own lives. And Lord, as we talk about today, uh, the, the results of wisdom, Lord, may we find peace in knowing you and living for you in this world. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Today we're going to be talking or continuing to talk about wisdom and how to live wisely in this world that God has placed us in. And it can be maybe harder and harder in a sense to do that uh, in, in the world that we live in today. Is, uh, the one thing that if we're looking around our country and if we're looking around our world and, and we ask ourselves, what is it lacking? What is missing the most out of, out of our world today in a practical sense? I think a lot of us would answer peace. Right? That's something that we all long for. It's something that, that we, we look around and see a, a very tangible lack of peace around our country and around our world today. And, and peace can uh, on, come in different forms, in different ways. Uh, we sometimes think of peace as just a lack of ab- or an absence of conflict, as a lack of adversity, those sorts of things. And that would be great, wouldn't it? It would be great to live in a world where there were no problems, there was no hardship, there was never conflict to have to, to deal with. That would be wonderful. And, I'm not saying, and, and what I'm going to say today um, is not to, to put down that sort of peace. That would be great if we were all able to experience that. But unfortunately, we live in a world that is, that is broken and affected by sin, right? And, and conflict and hardship and difficulties are going to naturally be a part of a world that is affected by sin. So does that mean that peace is unattainable? That peace is impossible to experience? I think Scripture points us to the answer that peace is possible. But it's not a lack of conflict. It's not a lack of hardship or difficulties. It's the peace in knowing Christ and and peace in trusting in God's word, no matter what circumstances we are in or no matter what we face. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, Paul talks about a peace that passes understanding. In his prayer for for the Philippians, he says, The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I think that's, I love that phrase, a peace that passes understanding, because it's peace not as the world gives, it's peace not as we would expect it to be, but it's peace that passes all understanding. 
because it's, it's peace with God. It's peace in the world because of what God has done for us. And that's something that we can hold on to. That's something that is tangible even when the rest of the world may seem to be falling apart around us. And the reason I bring that up today, the reason I foc- I'm focusing so much here on peace is because uh, when we live wisely, when we learn to live with biblical wisdom, Proverbs 3 says that we'll experience that sort of peace in the world today. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 2, he says, For they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. That phrase, peace and prosperity, actually translates that one single word in the Hebrew, and that is the word shalom. Is that a word that you guys have heard before? It's a word that maybe comes up in Bible studies. It's a very common word in the Old Testament. And the word, in a very basic sense, means peace. But it's more than just absence of conflict. God's shalom is, is well-being. It's wholeness. It's completeness. It's, it's, not, it's, it's not an absence of something, but it's the presence of something else. It's the presence of God's spirit, of God's goodness, of God's character in your life. And it's a, shalom is used hundreds of times throughout the Old Testament, about 240 times. Um, and the majority of those instances are focused on this idea of peace and wellness. And that peace then is, is, is both physical and spiritual. The Proverbs here in chapter 3 talk about kind of a sense of very, a very practical physical aspect of that well-being, of long life and prosperity. But it's more than just physical be- blessings or benefits. It's spiritual as well. It's that confidence and trust in knowing God and who he is and ultimately what he's done for us through Christ. You see, the, the peace that comes from God can only be found, can only be had in a relationship with him. We try to find peace in our world in a variety of different ways. We try to, we use things to distract us, uh, to pull our mind or, or focus off of what is bothering us. But ultimately, those things aren't going to bring us peace, or at least any sort of lasting, significant peace. The only real peace that we can experience, the only shalom we can experience in this world is ultimately through Christ and what he's done for us. Last week, we talked about how we have a choice when it comes to wisdom. Right? We, God, has, God has put two choices in front of us. We can choose wisdom to live wisely in light of his revelation and in light of his word and his character, or we can choose folly, which is to turn away from that and live for ourselves. And so, so we talked about that choice, and today we're going to see that Choosing wisdom ultimately leads to that shalom, that peace that God desires for us. As we talk about this, it's important to remember that, that the blessings we receive from the Lord aren't, aren't necessarily rewards in the sense that we earn them. Does that make sense? If you do something good at home or at school or at work, right, you are rewarded because your behavior deserved it or earned it. But when we talk about God's blessings here, it's important for us to, to establish that they are not earned in that sense, but they are simply the results of, of being in a relationship with God and knowing him. If you look at this chapter, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 begins with my son. Right? And, and that may be just, you know, we may gloss over that, but it's, that's an important phrase as we establish what it means to live wisely and experience God's peace and his blessing. That relationship there has already been established, right? This, this, this conversation is, is between a parent and a child, right? That's the, that's the background that Proverbs is using to talk about wisdom. But if we think about our relationship with the Lord, he's already made us his children. It's when we trust in Christ, when we believe in his name, he makes us sons and daughters of God. 
And so it's out of that relationship that we then learn to live wisely. So let me turn that around on us again. It's not we live wisely in order to be accepted as a son or daughter of God. No, we live wisely because we've already been accepted as a son and daughter of God. And that makes a world of difference. And so, so living wisely comes out of that relationship. So as we talk about shalom, as we talk about the peace and, and blessings of God, the, they're more of results of that relationship than, than rewards that we earn. These things are not, again, as I think I mentioned last week, it's not because I said so, but rather because these things will help. So as, as Scripture talks about how to live wisely, it's, it's done out of, out of encouragement and motivation because they will help us to live for Christ in this world. I remember when I was younger, I, I, my parents would give me a lot of advice. I'm sure you guys were all in similar situations, right? When you're a young kid, when you're a teenager, you don't always want to heed what your parents have to say. Um, there's some teenagers in here. I will encourage you to listen to them. Uh, but our, our natural instinct is, of course, to reject them. They don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what it's like to be a teenager or to, to be a kid. But as I grew up, as I became an adult, as I, as I became a parent myself, I came to the realization that my parents really did know what they were talking about, right? That they really did love me and care for me. And that's why they were giving me the instructions and setting down the rules that they did. And so, so wisdom is about recognizing that. It's about, you know, recognizing that, that God really does know what he's talking about. That when God tells us that living a certain way will result in certain blessings, it's, again, not a reward system, but it's acknowledging the fact that God is in control, that he is a loving and good and caring father, and he, he wants what's best for us. And living according to his law, living according to his word, is ultimately what's best for us. And so we see here there's this pattern throughout these verses that Tracy read for us. There's a pattern here of, of, of counsel. You should do this. And they're all paired with, with incentives or blessings or, or results. If you do this, then this will happen. And again, it's, it's important to look at them not as rewards, but as results, as incentives for living wisely for the Lord. And as we look at this, there'll be three, three parts here that I want to focus on. The first and it's split into four verses each. In the first section, we'll see it's, it talks about the shalom that God gives, the peace that God gives. Then we'll see the trust that God deserves, and ultimately then the honoring of God at the extremes of our lives. So first, the shalom that God gives. Again, it's, we see here in Proverbs verses, chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, it's about, it's about clinging on to his word and to his character. Living well in all areas of life begins with clinging to who God is and the word that he teaches us. And so wisdom is about both uh, avoiding the bad things, right, but also embracing the good. It's, it's about turning away from evil and shunning evil and, and avoiding sin, but it's also embracing the good about the positive aspects of life as well. And take a, notice the words here. Take a, take a quick uh, skim of those first few verses and notice what, the kind of words that, that the scripture here uses to encourage us. He says, don't forget, keep my commandments. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them, write them. Right? There's, there's a very active sense that we are called to pursue God, to glorify in him and meditate on his word and on his commandments. Right? When we use that word meditate, we don't use it in the very like maybe common sense. Right? When you think of to meditate on something, we think of just kind of, emptying ourselves, right? You sit cross-legged and you, and you hum or whatever. 
But God, when God uses the word meditate on his word, that's not what God has in mind in Scripture. To meditate on God's word is to think deeply. It's not to empty ourselves of thinking, but it's about to think deeply on God's word and allow it to soak in and become a part of who we are. Sometimes we think of God's word as an owner's manual, right? That it has all the instructions we need for when life gets difficult. But the problem with that analogy is that then you'll only consult the owner's manual when a problem comes up, right? We don't sit around and read our, uh, the owner's manual for our, of our car on a regular basis, do we? We only consult it when there's a problem, when there's something that needs to be fixed. And so while God's word does have advice for us during difficult times, it's not just an owner's manual that's meant to be kept on a shelf until it's needed. It's meant to be, to be read, to be, to be soaked up, to be meditated on, so that when problems do come up, when difficulties do arise, we know how to respond. Because that's what wisdom really is. It's how to respond in situations. It's about, it's about embracing God's word and then actively living it out. We may ask ourselves, you know, we, as we talk about God's blessings and, and the results that come from following God, we may ask ourselves, you know, is this, does this have anything to do with the prosperity gospel? Right? And that's something that is probably very familiar to us whether we realize it or not. There's a way of thinking that, that, that directly connects our faith and our obedience to material blessings in this world. In other words, do this for God, and he will in turn bless you financially. He'll bless you with material possessions. He'll bless you with good health. Right? There's, there's a very, very, I would say, dangerous strain of, of Christianity at times that, that promotes this way of thinking that, that we just do stuff for God in order to get something back from him in return. But I want to challenge you and say that that is a very dangerous way to think about our relationship with God. It distorts passages like this one in order to fit this very materialistic worldview. Uh, and, it's, and it's dangerous because if you look at it the flip side, if we're not healthy, if we're not wealthy, if we're not, you know, materially blessed, and that must mean that God doesn't love us, right? There's, there's, a, there's a flip side of that gospel that is very dangerous. And so we need to recognize that, that these passages are good, these rewards, excuse me, are good, and God gives them to us as a wise and loving father and as he sees fit. But we also have to recognize the flip side, that God also disciplines us and allows us to experience pain and suffering at times. And that certainly doesn't mean he doesn't love us. So question for us then is, are we seeking the giver or are we seeking the gift? Right? Are, we, are we in this relationship with God? If, are we here this morning only because of what God can do for us, that God can bless us with? Or are we seeking him out simply for who he is in order to know him and love him for what he's done for us, for, for the blessings of, of forgiveness and salvation. In other words, do you only serve God for what you get out of the relationship or do you serve him for his sake? It's a tough question. And it's difficult at times to, to separate the God's blessings from, from, his, from pursuing him for his character. But, but we need to make sure that the relationship with him comes first and we're pursuing him for who he is and not for the blessings that he can give us. question ultimately is where does your joy come from does it come from your circumstances or does it come from christ 
Uh, someone stopped in the office this week and shared a devotional with me uh, that actually fit right in with Proverbs chapter 3. They were pulling out of, out of this very chapter. And it was very helpful because it reminded me that, that we often tie our happiness and our joy directly to our circumstances, right? I'd only be happy if this were to happen. I'd finally be, be joyful if only this would take place or this would be removed from my life, right? Sometimes it's addition by subtraction. We think things will be good for us once something is removed from us. But when we think that way, that means our joy and our happiness and even our identity is tied into external circumstances that are ultimately beyond our control. What we need to do is focus on our relationship with God. To live wisely is to put Him at the center of everything we do. Happiness and joy does not depend on our circumstances. It depends on Christ and that never changes. And so living wisely, pursuing Him in His Word, holding on faithfully to His character means that, uh, that we'll experience peace and shalom in this world. But that comes from trusting God as He deserves. These next few verses remind us that true wisdom is trusting in God's provision and not leaning on our own understanding. This word for trust is a, uh, to, to look at it a different way is to just lay yourself flat on the ground. That, that's, the, that's like the image that this word is meant to, to bring up. It's to just throw yourself at the feet of Christ and to throw yourself at his mercy and his wisdom. In other words, it's to stake everything on the gospel, to put all of our eggs in one basket and not hold back. It's about wholehearted trust, leaning not on our understanding, but trusting in God and what he desires for us to do. And notice here, this, this passage is very, very common, and it's often focused on, we, we take this out of context and think about big decisions that need to be made. All right, we don't want to lean on our own understanding. We need to trust in God's will and his plan for us. And that is true. But this passage has more to do about behavior, how to respond in those difficult situations than necessarily about making big decisions. And so what does it mean to trust God with our whole heart? What does it mean to lean not on our understanding, but to lean on him? It means that we need to let his word and his truth override our own thinking. It's an issue of authority, right? The question for us is, you know, who sets the rules? Whose rules are we playing by? And we have two options. We can either submit to God and his authority and we can trust him or we can usurp his authority and create our own set of rules to live by. And that's exactly what Adam and Eve did in the garden, right? They decided right and wrong for themselves, and it was an act of rebellion. So as we read God's word, as we, as we keep his commandments, as we write it on our hearts and bind it on our hearts, right? As we do those things, we have to ask ourselves, are we obeying God? Excuse me, are we merely, are we merely reading the Bible and agreeing with it, or do we actually obey it? If you merely agree it, agree with it. If you merely say, well, God's word is right, but you don't actually follow through with it. Any sort of obedience is merely coincidence, right? It just happens to line up with your already predetermined ideas and ways of thinking. But if God's word is really meant to be obeyed, if it really has authority over your life, that means that when those, those times come up where God's word contradicts your own way of thinking, when God's word calls you to do something that is maybe uncomfortable for you, then you will obey him and put your own thoughts and your own feelings aside. That's what it means to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. It's trusting that Jesus is the only way to God. Wholehearted trust is exclusive, right? We trust in him and him alone. We don't hedge our bets when it comes to our relationship with God. 
We don't trust him because it's convenient or because we think we might get something out of it. We trust him with everything and, and, and trust him alone. First Peter 3.15 says, In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. As Lord is a very powerful term if you think about it. It means, it means master. It means the one who has the authority to set the rules, right? Lord, and I know I've done this in the past, and maybe you think the same way I do. When I see that word Lord, I almost just translate it with with God as if it's like a personal name. But it's it's a title, right? He is Lord. He is Master. He's the one who has the authority, and we need to remember that. This passage is also to live wisely is to recognize that we can't trust ourselves. It's a warning against self assurance. Proverbs 26:12 says, "Do you see a person who is wise in their own eyes? There is more hope for there is more hope for a fool than for him." See, that's the problem, right? We are we are self-centered and we are short-sighted. When we look through when we look at a problem in life through our own perspective, we're we're just looking at it with ourselves at the center of our own little universe, and we're looking at it with only the perspective that we can see what's right in front of our face. And when we trust in ourselves that way, it's going to fail us more times than it, than it won't. Right? And we're going to struggle with that. But the problem then is to lean not on our own understanding, but to trust in the Lord. We need to be Christ-centered, right? Keep Him at the center. Keep His Word at the center of our decision-making in our, in our living and also have our sights set on eternity. See things from an eternal perspective, not just what's right in front of our face. And finally, we need to honor God at the extremes. We need to, we, we experience the peace of Christ when we live wisely. We, we live wisely by trusting in him with our whole heart. And then we honor him at the extremes of our lives. Wisdom is for all of life, the good, the bad, and everything in between. We honor God when we live wisely from every circumstance. When life is good, trusting God sometimes seems unnecessary. And when life is hard, it may seem impossible. But wisdom is needed at both extremes. The call to wisdom is the same no matter what the circumstances. And so these closing verses remind us that whether we have plenty or whether we are struggling, whether there's a lot or we're experiencing pain, we should honor God in all things. And particularly when we suffer, it doesn't mean that God's angry with us or he's taking away from us. We need to remember that God loves us. He does not hate us. In fact, if he hated us, then he wouldn't even bother with us. He wouldn't bother disciplining us like a, like a father disciplines his children. Discipline is love, right? God's discipline means that he loves us and cares for us and wants us to be better. To take Nikki's analogy one step further, to mold us to more and more into Christ's image. And so the wise pathway through suffering is acceptance and trust in God's promises that he is using all things in our life, the good, the bad, and everything in between for his glory and for our good to make us more like Christ. And that's what we need to hold on to. That's when we finally realize that, when we, when we can understand what it means to trust God and understand that God is working in all things at all times, then we can know and experience God's peace in our lives. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your goodness and your grace. Lord, I thank you for the peace that passes understanding that we can experience because of what you have done for us. Lord, help us to lean not on our own understanding and do things our own way, but to trust entirely on you and your word. Lord, help us to do that this day. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.
As we prepare our hearts to take communion this morning, I invite you to stand and let's sing the first verse of hymn number 51 in your blue hymnals, Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah. I said, you, you may be seated. As I said, we're going to be sharing communion here this, this morning, and we're going to be doing it a little bit different way. Uh, the praise team can come forward. They're going to be uh, singing some, uh, leading us in, in some worship as we uh, take communion this morning. Um, don't be alarmed by the masks and the gloves. <laughs> we're just doing this out of an abundance of caution, uh, and we want to make sure that everyone is, feels safe and comfortable coming forward to take communion. But as I said earlier in the service, we are going to serve at the altar today. So if you are uh, able and willing to do that in just a moment, uh, after I give a few instructions and pray, I'll invite you to come down the center aisle just as we have done in the past. As best as you can, try to maintain social distancing as you come forward. Uh, come down the side. There will be two stations, and, and the elders will be assisting us. Uh, as you come down, Tori and I are going to be then handing you each a uh, piece of bread in the cup from the tray as you come forward. So that's how we will be handling communion this morning. Uh, once you receive that, we invite you to head back to your seats and partake in the elements as you uh, feel led and are ready to do so. Again, if you are not able to come forward or don't feel comfortable doing that this morning and would still like to share in communion, uh, I believe Mark and Michelle will be uh, walking around with communion elements and we can deliver them to you in your pews. So whether you come forward or whether you remain in your seat, we invite you to take communion this morning in the knowledge that God loves you and that he has saved you from your sin. Communion is a reminder that, that not only are we in need of a Savior, not only are, are we sinners who have, who have done things and thought things and said things that are not in line with God's will, but it's also a reminder of what God has done for us in Christ, that he has not left us in our sin, but has rescued us, has saved us from our sin, and has brought us into his family, and that because of Christ, because of his body broken for us and his blood shed for us, we are all now sons and daughters of the King. And so I uh, want to take a moment and, and let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much for, this good, for that good news. We thank you so much that you have not left us in our sin, but you demonstrated your love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Lord God, we, we are so grateful that we can take communion this morning and remind ourselves of that reality. As we do so this, Lord, this day, Lord, help bring to mind those things that are not pleasing to you. Let us confess those in our hearts and repent of those things, Lord, and ex- receive your grace and your mercy. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. For I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and having given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. 
The same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So all you who have received Jesus as your Lord and Messiah, we invite you to take this holy sacrament to your comfort.
body and blood of Christ. <laughs> if you have not had an opportunity to do so yet, I invite you to take the bread of body of Christ broken for you and feed on them in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. In the blood of Christ, which is shed for you, that your sins would be forgiven. Take and drink, knowing that he died for you. In prayer. Lord God, we thank you so much for this gift. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us communion as a, as a symbol, as a reminder of your goodness for us. As we take this bread and take this juice, we are reminded of your goodness and your grace. Fill us now with your spirit as we go from this place that we may live wisely for you and experience your peace each and every day. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. You may go in peace. Mm -hmm.